0: 2020, to the President, Provost, and University Board of Directors, to the College of Liberal Arts and Distinguished Guests, to my colleagues and associates, and let me not forget my fellow assholes, I am glad to be here this evening to receive this honorary award which I have been bestowed. Before I commence with with this ceremony, please excuse me while I sing a song of myself. Pardon me while I tell the tale of my artistic foundation and tell the story of how I became such a narcissistic moron. (laughs) One early winter evening in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, when I was just a baby, my father snatched me from my mother's breast. He was a strict Freudian and a very practical scientific man. Dad fumbled me in a blanket and carried me out of the house, far, far away, into the woods. He carried me past the woods into an open field. A full moon's light filled the field. I remember seeing the stars, the Milky Way, the Big and Little Dipper. My father pointed to the North Star. Afterwards, he carefully laid me on the ground and unwrapped my bunglings. He raised my naked body up to the stars and and proclaimed, Behold, the only thing greater than yourself, gravity. (laughs) My father walked briskly away, leaving me there in the snow, startled, crying, and wriggling. I remember this particular evening distinctly because it was then and there that I made my first snow angel. This was all the time when I realized my animal instincts. I gathered my blanket and tracked my father. My sense of direction was so keen that I figured out that my paternal guidance was heading in the wrong direction. I found my way back to the house before him. I pounded on the front door, my mother, the naturalist that she is, let me in and allowed me to finish my meal before he returned. Ever since then, my mother referred to me fondly, but proudly, as her nipping church. My parents were bedazzled by my, precocious in- by my youthful maturity. They decided to ensure my precocious instincts with a staunch education. They were concerned that I might one day put on airs, so even before I went to school, my mother would not allow me to play with a basketball, or any ball for that matter, My parents were to corporeal education, yet they filled my mind with nothing but ideas. Every day I was assigned twenty vocabulary words. I was made to look up each word in the dictionary, write down the definition, then rewrite the word and the definition five times, each with a different sentence. When I got into first grade, my teacher sent my parents a letter stating that I should be placed in remedial classes. (laughs) In fury, my parents questioned the teacher's uh, credentials. In a meeting, the teacher stood firm with her declaration. Your son, in comparison with the other students, is not able to keep pace. Yes, he speaks very well and with an accomplished vocabulary, but when I'm conducting the lesson, the students are able to absorb the material almost immediately. Your son is not like the He has to have things repeated to him sometimes as much as five times. <laughs> I do not understand your son's behavior, but that's the way it is. Needless to say, I stayed in that teacher's class that year. My parents insisted on it. I stayed in that teacher's class the following four years. School insisted on it. A family of five, I grew up in a modern suburban household. I would not have guessed how typical my life was had I not read it in a book. During the third recapitulation of social studies, I discovered that the average household at that time had 3.2 children. The .2 was usually a pet, a dog, or a cat. The modern family, on on average, owned two used cars, or 1.5 new cars. Every family owned at least three televisions. Reading this information made me feel very wholesome. I was living a very textbook life. At the dinner table, my mother asked me what I had learned at school that day. I told her how our family was statistically correct. I told her that I was willing to accept the fact that I was average. My father busted my chops. Upset, I told him that if he was still hungry, he could at least have asked me if I was finished with my meal. My father warned me. A hard head makes a soft butt. Besides, statistics are a lie. On contraire, my hair, I replied. (laughs) It is a hard butt that makes the head soft. Besides, I heard that lie before. Then I showed him the statistics revealing how often and in what situations presidential candidates in the heat of a campaign utilize the line, statistics are a lie. My father stormed from the table. After I finished my dinner, my mother pulled me aside and instructed me not to be so cheeky. My father was the official comedian of the family. My mother liked to attribute her husband's talents to her son. She would say, like father, like son. My father would always protest sternly, like father, hate son. One day I told him that I felt a strain. He patted me on the shoulder and informed me that, in a nonchalant tone, that I was just strange. My father smiled and sent me to my room to think about it. After spending time watching television in my room, I became bored. I began rummaging through some old magazines my parents left in my room. I came across an issue of the New Yorker. I believe it was the 10th of May of 1993 Uh, There was a commentary, the title was, I believe, uh, Adoption Country. Anyhow, this commentary went on about about the rude ambiguity ambiguity of placing a child woefully or carelessly into the arms of a benevolent or malevolent other. The article concluded by stating that America's nationhood was founded upon the metaphor of adoption, that through, quote, the vast migrations that populated this continent, the uprootings and replantings and recombinings of people and peoples, sometimes in sorrow, sometimes in hope, that for more than ties of biological kinship created the American nation can be seen as a historical experiment in mass geographical adoption. And while we honor old ties, a substantial part of our very identity consists in the ability to transcend them with new ones and the power that the heart has over the blood. Even though I was not adopted, after reading this passage, I began to reflect on my life, my personal heritage, and thought. Yeah, I can dig it, but perhaps with a slight difference. Instead of dealing with mommy, dearest, I have to deal with daddy, dearest. On probation for good behavior, my father allowed me to take an hour leave from the house. But if I was one minute late, he would send the dog after me. Not wanting to waste a second, I hastily walked up the street listening to my single-bang monophonic two-inch tweeter transistor radio, which I had an earplug with a short. I put the radio together myself while in solitary confinement. My father bought it for my birthday. His intent was to introduce me to electronics. Even though I assembled it the radio, it did not have good reception. I can still hear the aircraft controller and pilot transmissions that overrode the AM airwaves. BC-12, BC-12, you're clear for a touchdown. Affirmative, Tower. That's a Roger stall bag. Having the ability to receive such intimate transmissions, I affectionately named this wonder of wireless machinery RSR, Radio Shack Radio. Hmm. The experience I had with my RSR allowed me to build a sense of self-confidence as well as a novice affinity for electronics. But I was not prepared for what I had suddenly came into contact. A multi-banded, digitalized all surround sound equalized stereophonic box with two belly-blasting eight-inch whoopers. Confounded by this discovery, I realized that my life was a monochromatic joke. The bully who owned the box took my RSR from me and smashed it to pieces. He grabbed me by my throat and yelled, You egghead punk! Make me laugh or suffer my wrath! Flattered? I asked this bulbous beauty, why did the chicken cross the road? The bully released his grasp slightly and shrugged his shoulders. I proceeded with the answer to my hardlining uh, questioning. The chicken crossed the road in order to get the hell away from you. The bully grinned and said, huh, that was pretty funny, but beating you up is a hell of a lot more entertaining. That's, with that stated, he pummeled my face. After several pummelings, I discovered that I was never going to fit in with my neighbors. I informed my parents about the beatings I received daily and how they could go about obtaining a streaming order. Instead, my parents sat me down and instructed me on character development. I did not understand what they meant. They clarified themselves by explaining that they would rather have the bullies beat me. Than me beating myself. They were correct. Having someone beat me did add to my character. I gained a new perspective, a new point of reference. I began to see myself as being marginal in an already marginalized community, but still having a status, but still living a status quo modern mainstream life. Ironically, I was not really a part of mainstream life. Theoretically, I was part of something I was not historically supposed to be, yet I was not traditionally a part of something I was technically supposed to be. My life became a paradox, which permitted me to understand the nuances between theory and tradition. This paradoxical perspective, which was not shared by many, or even a few, relieved me of my contempt for the others. The the consequence? regardless of my feelings, was that socializing became very difficult. Throughout middle and high school, I was given hell for not being a yeah boy. I was chastised for not having a rap about being depraved, for not being dissed by society, despised for not participating in my in the willingness to segregate oneself from the central culture, I was an outcast because I did not exploit my race, because I did not exploit racism. Strange enough, I could not get out of my mind that this is a democracy, and this is a capitalist society. So exploiting one's racial background, i.e. identity, is permissible, and should be permissible if America wishes to remain free, a free and open society, especially if people are going to buy it. Besides, every profitable racial identity needs financial backing because it provides a psychological legi- legitimacy which provides the consumer with a sense of belonging. It's true. What do you call an identity without financial backing? Spineless. What I could not understand, what I try to understand, is how could anyone allow themselves to be psychologically enslaved? Even with with my ability to figure out how democratic capitalist exploitation operated on a theoretical and traditional level, even though I thought it to be somewhat insidious, I forced myself to believe that I, I should restrain myself from my suburban identity, that I should be more discreet with my paradoxical identity, my humor. My senses, since they were not intrinsically inherent to the urban consumer diaspora. I thought I should not stand up for my personal beliefs, but stand up for the beliefs of those whose spending habits were in the majority because of, of because my personality was modern American, not traditional American. Because my personality did not match the color of my skin, because I am unlike, statistically, unlike the others of color on the brink of destruction. Needless to say, I became lost in the thoughts of others, as it should be in college. As a result of my thinking, or my other thinking, I kept to myself and sank into my prop- own private abyss. My life had finally been superbly ruined. <clears throat> During this depression, I discovered that my situation was due to being first-generation PCRN, post-civil rights movement. The verbal abuse directed towards me was due to the fact that my identity did not have history's traditional problems lodged in my psyche. My parents did not propagandize me in that way, so my, my mind was relieved of such problems. With my psyche relieved, I had no desire to engage myself wholeheartedly with any generation's previous problems, any political fallout. However, I was well aware that they existed. After college, I was aware of these dilemmas, but not engaged actively in any of them. I saw American culture, all of America's various cultures, suffering from inherent histories, suffering from their inherent histories. I considered myself fortunate that I was a historical, that I inherited nothing from the past. I had the opportunity to pick and choose. Thus, I saw my life as being very independent. The drawback was that I had an experience unlike anyone else. Life becomes very difficult when you cannot communicate to people because they have no idea what your history is. I searched desperately for a means, for a means, for terms to share my experience. The search was frustrating because of my situation. Being marginalized in an already marginal community brings one full circle. You are always chasing after and running from your shadow. I tried to use modern lingo since that was what I was most familiar The best modern term for my situation at that time was the word pathetic. However, not too many people want to talk with a pathetic person. Picture it. Would you, walk, would you talk to someone who walked up to you and said, my life is so pathetic. Would you talk to me, please? <laughs> I would be lucky if someone told me to get lost. So reluctantly, I tried postmodern lingo. The best poMo term, poMo phrase uh, that fit my situation was African-American twice removed. Even with this contemporary phraseology, I was not comfortable discussing my situation. I feared that I might become the latest mutant on the talk show carnival circuit. I decided to discard the POMO phrase because I thought it would be that it would eventually prove to be too rigid. I continued my search for terms that were flexible enough to evoke the ideas I needed to communicate with people, but not so rigid that I would become pigeonholed. This meant I that I could not concern myself with either mainstream trends or marginal issues. This meant I could not place modernism over postmodernism, the Eurocentric over the Afrocentric, nor concern myself with the imbalances of gender, be it homo or heterocentric, nor with the techno or ethnocentric, nor versa and vice versa.
1: I found I could only concern
0: myself 100% with the eccentric, the reason being the eccentric's impartiality, their disinterested problems, other than being human. They're concerned with the spirit. Let there be no misinterpretation here. I am not talking about some mysterious other. I am talking about the survival of sensibility. Sensibility is the spirit. The eccentric is concerned only about making sense, if only to oneself. I was, it was in the eccentric that I found myself, in art, in the creation of art. Make no mistake, I am not wallowing in my own self pity I have come to terms with myself, and I am able to deal with my shapeless past. It may appear to you that I am not all there, and I will admit that I am not all here. I have taken a step beyond my physicality and my ethnicity. I have trekked onward into my personal being. I have taken the step beyond the 21st century. That is why I am able to accept this award on my behalf, even though a part of me is not present. Aloof? Yes. Lost? No. As I place myself on a limb with the wind gusting in my face, I will only need to remember to keep myself centered and deal with the flow. I have, I have sorted my life and will move on and face new challenges the future has to offer. My only regret is that the best I can offer you is some advice if you are willing to accept it. And that would be, give yourself some good advice. I thank you for this honor. I accept my life as I accept this award with one apprehension, that is, when I die, and and at this point in time, it's a little bit early for me to be concerned about that. But if I were to suddenly pass away, just before life has left me, I would instantly become nostalgic for the past. My apprehension is that in my lust for my past life, I would instantly be reincarnated and would have to repeat myself. In conclusion, I say to the class of 2020, As my sight becomes worse with age, I will have to rely on your perfect vision. So as you go out into the world and try to create some sensibility for yourself, be careful. Keep your eyes focused and your mind clear.